Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Today, we're traveling to our fourth Christmas town as we're unpacking the Christmas story and the birth of the Savior of the world. Well, we traveled from Hebron to Bethlehem and to Jerusalem. And today we're continuing our journey to Nazareth, a small, unassuming, out-of-the-way town that I think a lot of us can see ourselves in. Now, I grew up in a small town, Winslow, Arizona. Standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. Yeah, you can sing it with me. (laughs) For eight years, I got to live at 115 West Maple Street, Winslow, Arizona, 86047. The phone number, 602-289-2050. I had great friends. Lonnie and Johnny lived around the corner, and David lived next to them, who lived across the street from Otto, and we all liked him because he had all the cool toys. It was there at the Warren Avenue Church where I was baptized. I played basketball in the Washington Elementary Gym, which they tore down, and I lived for recess so we could play basketball. The chief of police, Walter Mall, lived across the street, and Jim Bowles, one of the elders in the church, eventually became the mayor and got the Eagles, the music group, to help fund the corner where there's currently a flatbed Ford parked by the edge of the street. It was in Winslow where I had my first job delivering the reminder to 150 houses three times a week. I had a lot of freedom. I rode dirt bikes in the desert. My faith was shaped as we launched an annual youth rally that changed lives for more than 15 years running. I had Bonnie Bowles to teach me the Bible stories that I still use to this day in my preaching. My school pictures reveal that I was in a minority, but I never knew it. I was shaped by my time in Winslow, Arizona. Now, we all have stories from our past that have shaped us into who we've become today. In fact, every single one of us are products of our past. I want you to think about that. We can't be where we are today unless we were where we've been before. Good times, happy times, sad times, bad times, times of abundance, times of little, Everything you've experienced up to this point has shaped and grown you into the person you are today. And just as important is this, where you are right now is preparing you for what God has in store for you tomorrow. No matter where you are right now, you are in a place of growth and preparation for what is to come. So don't waste it. And we're going to see that the same thing is true for Jesus. Now, Most of what is recorded in scripture about Jesus's life covers a three-year span of time, basically the last three years of his life when he was doing ministry. And we'll talk about that, some of that, next week. During that time, we find him traveling to various locations in Galilee and Judea. But what we often forget is that the majority of his life was spent in one small, out-of-the-way town. And that's today where we're spending time in Nazareth. After being born in Bethlehem and spending a short time in Egypt, Jesus spent the majority of his childhood through his adult years in Nazareth until he was about at least 30 years old. So we read these words in Luke chapter 2. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And jump over to verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor 
with God and man. What was Nazareth like? Well, how do I put this? It wasn't Chicago or Dallas or even Orlando. It was more like Paisley, Florida or Nowata, Oklahoma. Have you ever been to either of those places? Not if you could help it. And that's my point. Nazareth wasn't impressive. It's like driving through Big Lake, Texas. Nobody says, hey, let's go to Big Lake, Texas. I once was driving through Big Lake, Texas, and I took a picture of their water tower, and I sent it to Jimmy Morris with a text that said, just in case you missed it. Now, if you don't know who Jimmy Morris is, Disney made a movie about him called The Rookie. And it's supposed to have taken place. It did take place, his life did, in Big Lake, Texas, although it was filmed uh, elsewhere. But I texted him just in case you missed it, just to be funny. And he texted back, what made you drive through Big Lake? And that's my point exactly. Nobody is going there on vacation. Nobody was going there ever, at least not on purpose. I take that back. Some people did go to Nazareth. Nazareth was a destination location for those who were trying to hide from the law. Jesus grew up, spent his formative years in a place where convicts went to hide. As such, nobody thought well of Nazareth. In fact, we find a man by the name of Nathaniel using a very common expression during the time to express how people thought about Nazareth. In John chapter one, he says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And it wasn't a rhetorical question. Nobody needed to answer because everybody knew the answer was a big, fat no. So, It was no compliment when people referred to Jesus as the Nazarene. It was very much intended to disparage and define him. It was why Jesus of Nazareth was posted on a sign above his head on the cross. It was meant to ridicule him. It was another way of saying, look at this low-life loser. While the world thought very little of those from Nazareth, Jesus owned it. He never appeared to be ashamed, embarrassed, or wanting to hide from where he came from or from his past. To the contrary, it seems he very much embraced his hometown. Maybe you remember when Jesus appeared to Saul on the road that leads to Damascus. Saul asked, who are you? It's right after he heard a voice and saw a bright light on the road to Damascus. And Jesus answered, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I love that. Instead of running from his roots, Jesus redefined where he came from. But that didn't mean it was always easy. Tragically, the very people who knew him best of all seemed to support him the least. Luke gives us a picture of how Jesus' fellow townspeople typically responded to his teaching and good works. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home." He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. It's really so sad. Their familiarity with Jesus 
hindered their faith in him. Jesus loved the people of his hometown, but he knew most of them wouldn't accept him. However, that didn't stop him or slow him down. The same should be true for us. I want that to be true for you. Where we came from or a lack of support should never hold us back. Everybody comes from somewhere, guys. Our past and our roots shouldn't hinder us from our future growth that God has planned for us. And maybe some of you, you've experienced rejection in your past, a job loss, failed relationship, financial troubles, you name it. Do you know what that makes you? Human. And if you're like me, you know that that's true and you don't like that it's true. But hear this, rejection in one place must not keep us from doing what God has called us to do in this place at this time. In case no one has ever told you before, you get to choose how to best move forward in your life. It's up to you and God, but no one else. I'm gonna say it again, it's up to you and God and no one else. God has created us with the ability to choose and that changes things. We get to choose our thoughts and our feelings that surround a situation and rather than feeling hopeless, we now get to feel empowered. Maybe you've, you've felt hopeless about a situation that you found yourself in. But while we are products of our past to a certain degree, we don't have to be prisoners. There's a difference. We have the ability to choose, to think differently, believe deeply, and live intentionally. Our past directs us, but it doesn't define us. Our past prepared us, but it doesn't paralyze us. Again, we are products not prisoners of our past. We get to grow into what God has for us right where we are. Have you ever felt like that? And I'm serious. Have you ever felt like if you had just grown up in another place or a different family, that you and life would be so much better right now? If your past was different, then maybe your present wouldn't be as tough. Now, I don't know what life would be like for you now, if it had, but I know that God knew where and with whom you would grow up. God knew what your past would be with all of its hurts, habits, and hangups, yet he was working to grow you right where you were in order to get you where you are today. And still today, he's working to grow you into who he intends you to be and to do what he intends for you to do where he has you right now. There's so much possibility to do God's work right where you are, and it doesn't require a change of address only a change of attitude. For Jesus, Nazareth represented a time of preparation. It was growth for what was to come in his life. Look back at Luke chapter two, verse 40 and 52. It says, the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew mentally, physically, spiritually and relationally right there in Nazareth. Let's dig into this. Jesus, the son of God, used his humble beginnings in an unimpressive, forgettable place as a place of preparation and growth for what was to come. In fact, everywhere Jesus went and everything Jesus did was preparing him and growing him for the future and the plan that God the Father had for him. So I encourage you to embrace where you are and put in the work. If you're not experiencing joy and peace where you are, it's highly likely that you're not going to wherever it is that you want to be. Jesus made the best of being from Nazareth. 
The question for us today is, how can we be like him and grow and prepare ourselves for what God has for us? How can we take where we are at right now, no matter what our life circumstances are, and grow mentally, physically, spiritually, and relationally? And one of the saddest things to see is a person who has stopped growing. Do you know anyone like that? Someone who's lost the drive to become more and do more? It's not only sad, it's a recipe for depression, illness, and possibly a premature death. Humans were created to live in purpose. We weren't built for isolation or quitting. As soon as we lose purpose, life stops. Even if we go on living, listen, living things are designed to grow. On the flip side, it's so inspiring to see people, regardless of age, striving to become even better than they are. I'm reminded of a man that I read about recently who decided to spend the next 10 years becoming fluent in a foreign language. Now get this, the guy is 95. I think that's so cool. Don't stop living. In fact, start living. One of the best Christmas gifts you can give yourself for the new year, and I'm going to say also your loved ones, is a plan to grow in the coming year. Now, Beth and I have made it a habit to get away at least once a year to plan and dream about the year that's to come. In some years, it comes easier than others, but we do it because we want to glorify God with our lives, and we only get one shot, and I'm glad to be sharing that with you. Now, as we wrap this up, I want to help you brainstorm a growth plan for each one of those four key areas. Let me encourage you to write these down, whether it's one of my suggestions to you or it's an idea of your own in each one of these areas. And I want to start with the mind. Now, how important is it that we develop our mind? And I'm talking about how we think. Well, the scripture says in Romans 12 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I could talk to you for hours about this one point. The transformation of life begins with renewing our mind, which depends on putting right things into our mind, something of greater substance than sitcoms and reality TV, not that there's no place for entertainment, but do something radical. Cancel Netflix, we did, and it felt honestly like I had taken my pacifier, <laughs> it's like I'd taken my pacifier away. But the question is, how can we grow our mind? You might decide to enroll in a course, so many online learning opportunities today, develop a reading list for, the, for next year, tune into some meaningful podcast for when you drive or engage in some meaningful conversations with, with uh, thoughtful people, but make an effort to fill your mind with things that are gonna help you grow in your mind and how you think. I even often listen, will listen to podcasts whenever I'm out riding my bike. Now, not only do we need to develop our mind, but we need to take care of our body and grow physically. These words are written in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Look, I'm not suggesting that you do anything this week other than stay home, stay up late, sleep in, watch movies, and eat all the sweet stuff that you love. But after this week, it's time to get moving. Commit to some form, some form of physical activity in the coming year. Walk, run, work out, play basketball, hot yoga, cold, cold yoga, <laughs> join a hip hop dance team. That'd be my flavor. 
Whatever floats your boat, just do something. Stay alive, y'all. And of course, we also want to develop our spirit and grow spiritually. By developing our spirit, I mean that we want to be ever mindful of God. This is what we are called to. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 4.1, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. And now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. How do the things of God become a first thought, not just an afterthought? This is going to happen if you commit to daily time in the Word, prayer, meditation, journaling, attending a group like this, like we're doing now every week. If there's one thing I would encourage you to do for this next year that I am certain would have a profound impact on your spiritual life, it would be to schedule intentional time with others to study God's Word and encourage each other as you grow spiritually. What you're doing as you spend time with your microchurch is one way to stay grounded and grow up spiritually. Just make it a priority and show up. Decide today, I'm going to be a part of this microchurch and I'm going to ask God to work in me and through me. And now watch what happens. Finally, we need to continue to grow relationally. We have been created for relationship just as the Father, Son, and the Spirit live in relationship. You know, it's hard to live in relationship if you spend all of your time except on the weekends in isolation. And maybe this is one of those years to join a book club, a bowling league, carve out some time weekly for coffee with a good friend, spend 10 minutes a day checking in with your closest friend, whether it's through a call or a text. But as we relate to others, just remember the words of Jesus in John 13. I know you know this, John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So Nazareth is the place Jesus called home. Was it a perfect place? Not by a long shot. Did he have a perfect family? Who does? But in that place and with his family, he grew up. He grew up mentally, physically, spiritually, and relationally. And so can we right where we are. Let me say it again. We are products, not prisoners of our past. And my prayer for you is that this coming year will be one of unparalleled growth. I pray that you will be courageous to follow the Lord, that you will live at the radical center, and I know that you will see God's blessing in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life that you have given us. I imagine that most of us can think back in life and and wish that maybe we had grown up somewhere else. But Father, whenever we are, whenever we're in moments like right now, we are thankful. We're thankful, Father, that you had us grow up where you did. We're thankful, Father, that you have never abandoned us. We're thankful, Father, that you not only live in us, but you work through us and live out of us. I pray, Father, that you will be glorified in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.